from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. On today's Deep Dive, we are joined by the woman who is breaking down barriers in the NBA, my dear friend, Melissa Proctor. Hi, Melissa. How are you? Annie, I am awesome. Thank you so much for having me back. Well, I am super energized to have you back on the podcast today. I've been looking forward to this because we already had you on a previous episode where we talked all about your journey from ball girl to CMO. And I know that people are chomping at the bit to hear more about what it's like to be a CMO in the National Basketball Association League. How incredible is this role? And especially as a black woman and a person of color. So I want to start off by asking you, talk about the role of what a CMO means. You've been in the job for about five years. You've seen obviously a lot of change in terms of what marketing looks like in an organization like this, but what would people, what would describe it? How is a day in the life of Melissa Proctor? Wow. That's many things. Well, first of all, I'll say the title of CMO is so different depending on the organization, even within the NBA, based on the focus, based on the scope. And so for me, I have around nine or 10 different departments that are reporting to me at any given time. But, you know, a big bulk of the work that I'm responsible for day to day is ensuring that everyone has what they need to do their best work. I'm very much about that personally. Traditionally, people would say the role of CMOs for a sports team is butts and seats. That's what it was in the past. (laughs) Right. Whatever you can do to get people in. And for me, it is so much more around brand building and relevance for our market and how do we can really integrate 
our brand story and the community and bringing it together. Because ultimately, from a revenue generating perspective, based on our audience and our demographics these days, people really want to be connected to businesses they feel are doing good things in the world. Yes. And then also from a corporate partnership standpoint, once you have a strong brand story that other brands can connect themselves to, that's how you generate that revenue as well. They want to and be so part of me, that. Yeah, for me, it's so much more around like having personal values that are aligned with our brand. And thankfully, we have an organization and a city and a team that I'm aligned with personally. So it doesn't feel like a departure from where I would want to take it. Um, but so much of what I get to do day to day is to create awesome memories for people coming into our building, whether for Hawks games or events, and figure out how we can amplify the work that we're doing to impact the community of Atlanta as best we can. Oh, I mean, that is music to my ears, because one of the things I love about living in Atlanta is the Hawks community, is the sports and athletic community, because you guys have successfully done such a good job of building exactly that, a very authentic community. And it never feels like when you end up at a Hawks game, it's about butts and seats. You see friends around you, you see brands that are local and native to Atlanta supporting and cheering the team. So that's a real great way to look at it because i think oftentimes people really look at this job as very limiting and it's so much bigger than that absolutely and you know one of the groups that report to me is our live entertainment and production team and so much of that is our game presentation and we wanted to be a party at the end of the day that you could only experience if you come to atlanta and lately i've had so many either ex-players or folks that are visiting from other teams come to our games are like, this is different than anywhere else in the world. And I love that energy because our number one goal is home court advantage. We want to create the advantage in that building for our team to win. That's first and foremost. But outside of that, our brand mantra is true to Atlanta. Yes. So we really want to represent and be as true to Atlanta through that game experience as we can. So you are, you know, naturally creative. You're an artist, you draw, you create art, and now you've translated this into marketing. But at the same time, there is a component of this where you have to sort of gauge and monitor profitability. How do you balance the two? And how did you sort of take that lens and look at how you could be successful in business? You know, it's a great question because people are like, do you still make art? And I'm like, well, no, not a ton. I don't have a lot of time these days, but I really look at my creative abilities now is creative ways to solve business challenges. And I think that's one of the things that we've done so beautifully as an organization, but it's not about leaning into profitability first. And so when our current owner, Tony Ressler came on board, he said, we are a community asset before we are a basketball team, before anything else, we exist to be a community asset. So by doing things like opening up our arena and being the first team in the NBA uh, to have early voting in our building during the pandemic and going out and fighting food insecurity during the pandemic, even you know what we were able to do with our MLK uniforms. That was the first idea that I brought to the table as CMO when I started this position. It was how do we honor Dr. King's legacy in a city like Atlanta in an ongoing way, more than just on MLK Day. Yes. And for that, we donated 100% of our profits for that back into the city of Atlanta through the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative of Atlanta, because we really believe that, you know, through um, economic empowerment for people of color, especially and women, yes. we'd be able to really make a long-term impact. And I think by doing those things, which are what we believe the right things to do, has ultimately led to profitability, but it's a different perspective and a creative way to look at it. Wow. I mean, what a great lens and what an amazing organization that allows you to express so much of this on behalf of the city of Atlanta. I mean, those MLK jerseys have been impactful to so many. And all of us remember, you know, the State Farm Arena opening up its doors for voting for COVID vaccinations. So I think, you know, 
finding a role like this that allows you to do so much for so many is really incredible and inspiring. Yeah. And I think what the coolest part of it, what I've realized is the more that we've done in the community and not just stroking big checks, but creating programs that really help people. Now there are organizations that want to partner with us for that commitment to the community. And that's where a lot of the corporate partnership and revenue dollars come in to help support. And ironically, I had a person reach out to me personally and said, you know, after, you know, I voted at the arena, I love what you did with MLK. That stuff was so insightful and inspirational to me that I've never been a season ticket member, but I bought season tickets because I believe in what you're doing and your values. Oh. And that's when you know you're making a difference. That's gotta feel really, really good. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I want to segue into another aspect of this. You know, oftentimes people ask me this being a black woman in technology, which is renowned to have, you know, be dominated by males as well. What are your thoughts or how has it been for you and your experience being a black woman in the C-suite of the NBA? We know there's tons of black people that are players, but as we move up the organizational chains, we see less and less women and women of color as well. How's your experience been? You know, when I first started uh, in full time and working with the organization, I was the only woman on our executive team. We had two other people of color that were a part of that. But as the only woman, it was jarring. I was a new mom. You know, we didn't have uh, places for me to, you know, for lactation rooms or anything. And so we had to create the environment where women, especially women of color, can thrive and really be able to voice their opinion. And so I feel like a lot of what I did early on was just speaking up and having a voice and utilizing that voice yeah. to help others. But, you know, to be honest, from my first meetings, we would get together in Miami every year with all of the teams for sales and marketing meetings. I didn't see many women at all, didn't see many people of color. And over the years, that has changed so much within the NBA. I love hearing that. And I that. know that there's still a lot more work to be done, but I think the NBA is incredibly progressive in that still more work that we need to do. But, you know, for me, I look at people ask, what's the best part of my job? And I said, having it. So often I'll go speak and people are like, oh, my gosh, but you're so cool. You got locks. You have a nose ring. But, you know, you're so down to earth and you're CMO of the team. And I'm like, yes, and it's possible and you yes. can do it, too. And, you know, and I always tell this crazy story. When I first got promoted, I had gone over to the arena and parked in the reserve parking spaces where the players and executives parked to go to a meeting. And a security guard came up to my car and looked at me and said, I'm excuse me, ma'am, you can't park here. This is reserved for executives. And so I took out my badge and I showed him and I was like, you know, and he looked really confused. And then he was kind of like, uh, uh, okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. But I uh, knew in uh, that uh, moment uh, that I changed his perception and yes, the stereotype that yes. he had in his head of what an executive of an NBA team looks like. And to me, that's the most impactful. Oh, I love that story. You know, oftentimes too, it's, you know, those little microaggressions as we call them happen and you can choose to respond in a different way, but you're just like, I'm showing you. And he just hadn't seen it. Well, here you are. And he will remember you. He, he probably remembers that incident. And he was like, okay, cool. Park here. And next time I'm sure you showed up, he was like, open the red gate. That's right. That's right. So along that question, do you have any tips you've shared with us some in the last episode, but again, for aspiring young women trying to break into a career where there aren't a lot of women or people of color, what are some tips and tricks that you can offer that have really successfully worked for you? You know, one, I would say don't be intimidated because I think a lot of times it's, you know, I'll sit in the back of the room. I'm not going to speak up or use my voice. But if you are have the opportunity to be in that room, you have a responsibility to use your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing that I get a lot is, can I get coffee? Can I grab some of your time? Relationship building is critical. I'd say in a lot of industries, but especially in sports and entertainment. Yep. And my biggest advice is find a way to become an asset to people's time, not, time, not a liability. Because so often it's, let me have your time. This is what I want. I want to be CMO. I want this. And you've done nothing to pour into the other person. So I always ask the question, what are your points of pain? What are your challenges? What's keeping you up at night? Then in a timely way, 
after your conversation, come back and offer something. Yep. Could be in real time if you can, but that is a mindset that so many people don't have because they're always looking at what's in it for them, right. not necessarily how can be of service to the other person. And I think for me throughout my career, relationship building has been critical. And, and the other part is doing the job you want before you have it. Mm-hmm. You know, so often people are like, oh, well, once I get the job, then I'll be able to get the experience. I wanted to work in brand strategy so bad and couldn't get a brand job. I went to graduate school to focus on branding and came back to Turner and was in, you know, creative for years. And so I found a brand outside of Turner and said, raise, hey, I'll be your head of brand strategy. Just let me make business cards with it and put it on my resume. And they were like, great. And that opportunity led me to ultimately get a branding job at Turner. And I think for women, especially in sports, people are always waiting for someone to give them the opportunity. And sometimes right. you have to create it. So you have to, and sometimes you have to do the job free. And I think what's so yeah. remarkable about your story, and I want to talk about the book that you wrote as well, From Ball Girl to CMO, is that at so many critical points in your life, you were <laughs> offering to add value to other people. And they remember that and they come back. And so it's almost like the more you give, the more you get. And I, I truly, truly believe that. But I think also in your case, I mean, you were never afraid to do the small jobs. I'll get coffee. I'll sweep yep. the sweat off the floor. And the that perseverance and tenacity adds up to the success that you want later in life. And I think this is something that I want our young audience to hear because this idea of like overnight success or, you know, we all just closed our eyes and blinked, we got there. You know, for most of us who are later in life, we have worked really hard through the trenches to get our way up there. So it's it's not overnight. It's a couple of decades in most of our cases, (laughs) but it certainly pays off. Absolutely. And I tell everyone to this day, if someone needed me to go and mop up sweat, I could make a mop and mop up for the next game because I'm not above anything. Right. And I think that's a very core difference. One of the other things that I, I always you know, advise people, especially women to do, and it's something that I learned probably in the middle of my career through mentors was the power of guiding principles. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you asked me, what can women do differently? And it's establishing what your values are. What are the things that you believe? What are the things that you know, is your filter for any opportunity that comes your way that are your non-negotiables. And for me, I define my guiding principles early on. And it's a big part of my book from Ball Girl to CMO of how I did it and how others can do it too. And I call them my starting five because any opportunity that comes my way, because I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, right? you know, I against these values and they're ones that are defined for me personally. And in doing so, it's also very clear from talking to someone about an opportunity, man, whichever, I would say, hey, I'm happy to do that as long as these five things are met. And that clarity changes the dynamic of so many conversations because you don't put yourself in compromising positions. Oh, okay. So now you've piqued our interest. I need to know what are these five guiding principles? Can you break them down for us? Yeah, absolutely. So my starting five, one, as you mentioned, I'm a creative, love making art, but I've also had a lot of business strategy roles. And I realize that my superpower is when I can bridge those two things together. Mm. So anything that's creative and strategic, that is my strong suit. That's where I need to be. My second, I get bored real easily. And I know that about myself. And so anything that I do, I have to be adding new tools to my personal toolbox. So if I look at myself as an agency of one, what new capability am I adding by taking on this opportunity? Because if I can do it in my sleep, I don't need to be there. Ooh. You know, the third, my mom was really bad with money growing up. I did not learn about financial literacy till much later in life. And so most of my money and scholarship money from college, I had to give her to help take care of bills at home. So I made the commitment that whatever I did, I need to be able to pay my bills on time or ahead. And since I've had my daughter, it's more thinking of generational wealth. How can I really help invest in her future through whatever this opportunity is? 
Wow. My fourth is some sense of work-life harmony. I don't believe in balance. I don't think anything is always in balance. So it's really, if I need to leave at four o'clock to go and take my daughter to swim class, or if I need to spend 10 days in Trinidad for carnival, because that's important to me, I need the flexibility to be able to do that. And knowing that if I have to give a thousand percent of myself at work, I'm there, but life will always be more important than work to me. So finding people that are aligned in those values and family first, that's critical. And then my last is authenticity, because as the way I'm talking to you is how I talk to my team. It's how I talk to my kid, my boss. Yep. I'm not a code switcher. I keep it 100. And so wherever I am, I should be able to bring my best self to work and all that I am and encourage my team to do the same. And so I think by being authentic, we can do our best work and the company gets the best out- output. Um, and so those are my five. So anything I can do that really encourages those five things, I know that I am in a happy place for me to ultimately live my best life. I mean, I can absolutely vouch for me seeing this in all of you. I, I Like I said before, this is one of my friends. And I'll tell you, I think, how we met because this speaks to authenticity. We were in some business room, some business setting, And, you know, there was this black woman at the front of the room and all of a sudden, like I was hearing a little bit of a West Indian accent and I was like, okay, I couldn't remember, but I knew I had to talk to her because I love all things Soka. And I think we're at the Metro Atlanta chamber. So I went up to her and we started having this conversation. I was like, where are you from? And instantly I asked her, I was like, do you like Soka music? And that was it. That's how our friendship really came. But, you know, there was no code switching. We were ourselves and our authentic selves, no matter what the setting. And I think people really appreciate that. I don't think, I think the days where you have to hide who you are to be your, your best at business are over. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So Melissa, again, make sure you guys pick up her book. But last but not least, I want to ask you a question. So if you were offered the job as an NBA head coach, do you think you could make it work? Absolutely not. (laughs) Miserably. I would be honored by the opportunity, but I know my strengths and weaknesses. And I don't think that that would be aligned with my starting five, especially now. Because, you know, coaching is hard work. Coaching is hard work. always at practices like that. I have so much respect for our basketball operations team and what they do. But, you know, I found my right groove. So, you know, in my mind, God makes no mistakes. Everything happens for a reason. Well, we love that. And we appreciate the honest answer. Now, one last question as we move into, you know, this sort of new era in marketing, we're seeing a lot of things change with Web3, the Hawks, and we've come out of this pandemic where there was a lot of uncertainty about where basketball and the fan experience was going to go. Can you tell us anything about some of the innovative stuff that you are working on with the Hawks? You know, we always have something up our sleeves at the Hawks. And so we're really excited. We will very shortly be launching NFT week. Um, While we are always looking at what is new and different, and obviously the NBA has been doing stuff for a while with Top Shot, but we really want to do stuff for the folks here in Atlanta. How do we provide interesting experiences and opportunities? So we're always looking at that. We actually have an innovation lab internally where we're consistently looking at what are the new things happening, not just in our space, but other spaces and how we can use that to and improve our fan experience. And through a lot of the work that we do with the Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, we're always looking at local entrepreneurs and saying, hey, how can we help support, whether it's teaching, I did a masterclass for a lot of local entrepreneurs here, and then integrating some of those businesses potentially, if relevant, within the Atlanta Hawks, but really just trying to be of service to the community. So we have a lot of things coming up. I can't give too much away, but you know, for me, I'm always just grateful for the opportunity to share the work that we're doing with the Hawks and continue to do new stuff in the future. 
Thank you so much for fostering such community here in Atlanta, Melissa. Can you remind our audience where they can, number one, find your book, and number two, find you on social media? Absolutely. So my book is From Ball Girls to CMO. It's available on Amazon and all places books are sold. Um, Also, folks can connect with me at LinkedIn, um, at Melissa M. Proctor, and also on my website, melissamproctor.com. Awesome. Well, Melissa, thank you so much. Thank you for continuing to inspire so many and break through all the ceilings that you have. We wish you the best and hope to have you on the podcast again. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me and kudos to you and all the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. All right, Money Movers, that's all the time we have for today, but make sure to follow Melissa on all her social media handles. And if we helped you make your money move, please make sure to let us know by sending us a like, sharing the knowledge on your social media, and or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to tune in to Money Moves Monday to Friday and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom you so rightly deserve. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.